All right. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Thank you, worship team. You guys are fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, Kev gave me a, a water up here because he said coffee will make me dehydrated. That's true. And I'm going to go ahead and drink some more coffee. It's pumpkin spice, y'all. Um, oh, somebody's like, oh, wait, what? There's, what? There's pumpkin spice over there? Um, so I, uh, hey, I need, uh, so Acts chapter 17. I'm really excited to start this series Kingdom this morning. And we're going to do this really kind of coinciding with Vision Builders. And uh, we're not, if you can't make the gala, 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 gala. If you can't make any of those, if you can't be there for that, that does not mean you will not be a part of this. I still want you to be there. Meredith and I would absolutely love to be able to share with you what God's doing. And we could come together and be about this. But I do want to encourage you that, uh, that, that, that we will be talking about Vision Builders over the, 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 the duration of this series and be aiming towards something. So I want to encourage you. That this, this, this series has been on my heart for a long time. I've been waiting for this for a while. This is something I've been, this Acts chapter 17 thing has been something I've been wanting to chat about. And I, I just want to tell you, this is not something that you should just kind of come by yourself to hear. All right, I see a lot of, some empty chairs around the place. I feel like there's some people who could be sitting in those, right? There's some people you're even looking around going, where's this person? Text them. Everybody pull out your phone. Real quick, just pull out your phone. It's okay. Just, it's okay. Some of you already have your phone out. You're playing video games, setting your fantasy football lineup. I get it. You're acting like you're on your Bible, but you're not. And, um. Because I haven't even, I'm not even reading the Bible yet, and you're looking down at your phone. So what do you, I mean, unless you're just trying to get ahead, cheater. Um, either way, it's bad news. So uh, just to get you out of your phone, I want you to think of somebody who's not here this morning. I just, I think the Bible says that the harvest is ripe. It's ready. But it says this statement. It says, lift up your eyes. See, the issue is not whether or not people around us need Jesus. It's whether or not we'll see that they do. My wife thinks that was good. Some of you are typing. I just want to, honestly, there's some people I, I can even think of right now that, I, man, where are they at? And, 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 and I'm not saying, don't text them and say, I, I cannot believe you. Like, say, hey, missing you this morning. I'm thinking about you. Because can I tell you something? There are people who come into a church, and they'll meet some great people, and then they'll miss a Sunday, and no one will notice. And then they won't come back. Now, here, let me just tell you, it's not true that no one noticed. It's just no one let them know that they noticed. Do you hear me? It's not that that person was not missed. I, Mary and I drive home going, oh, man, where was it? Oh, man, we'll text them the next day. Hey, we missed you at church yesterday. We love you. It, it, it's not that they don't, it's not that people aren't noticed. It's that we don't let them know that they were noticed. And so I think it's important for us to be people who lift up our eyes, are intentional about reaching people and loving people. Because remember, this is a kingdom that should be growing. Amen. The kingdom of God is a growing thing. It is a multiplying thing. And, um, and so Acts chapter 17, and I'm going to read the verse, first few verses. I'm glad you guys did that. Thank you for jumping in on that. I appreciate it. really do. Uh, Acts chapter 17, uh, and next time let's do it on Saturday night. Hey, I'll see you tomorrow. Amen? Come on now. Let's not just miss them. Let's invite them. All right. 
Acts chapter 17, and again, I've been thinking about this chapter for a long time. I can't preach the whole thing, but I, I would encourage you to take some time uh, today or this week and read through Acts chapter 17. In fact, there's a good chance you've heard me talk about Acts chapter 17 at some point over the last several months. It's been on my heart for a while, and it just it, it's going to be so perfect for us. So I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. Are you with me? Acts chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. Then they traveled through Amphipolis and Apollonia. I made that up. I don't know how to say it. To Thessalonica. There, that one. Where there was a Jewish synagogue. As usual, Paul went to the synagogue. Now, some of you read that and immediately thought that meant Paul usually goes to church. That's not what's happening here. Paul is not going to church. He's not going to get his worship on. Paul is going, and you'll listen to what he says in the next verse. Or in the same verse, it says, as usual, Paul went to synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, reasoned with them from the scriptures. Now, do you reason with someone who already agrees with you? Paul's delivering a new message. Paul's bringing to them this gospel about Jesus that was not yet accepted in the synagogue, and in many synagogues today is still not accepted, Jesus as the Son of God. And so here's Paul reasoning with, these guys talking to them about Jesus. So I just love that. I love that he usually went to the synagogue. Usually went to, why? So that he could reason with them about who Jesus was. Reason also sounds like a good word. Not argue, right? Next time you have an argument with your spouse, just be like, we reasoned about this. No, Paul reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and showing that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah. This Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Messiah. Then some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, including a great number of God-fearing Greeks, as well as a number of the leading ladies. I just threw that in there. Leading women, but leading ladies sounds better. Come on, ladies. What, what? Number of the leading women. But the Jews became jealous. I hate jealous. Anybody, anybody know someone jealous? You're just jealous. It's like Eagles fans. They're just jealous. But the Jews became jealous. This is three games, man. And they brought together, they beat the Browns, brought together some scoundrels from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot. Now, have you ever met somebody that's that jealous? Like they, they went and gathered some scoundrels. They formed a mob, and then they said, let's riot. Let's throw some food and knock down some windows and get really mad. I'm jealous. They persuaded some of my friends about who Jesus is. I'm jealous. It's amazing what the enemy will get us upset about, isn't it? It's amazing. We're talking about the good news of Jesus. We hear about why they get upset in just a minute. And so they start a riot. It's amazing in a little bit how they start talking about how bad these other guys were. And here they are starting a riot. Attacking Jason's house, they searched for them to bring, out to the public, bring them out to the public assembly. When they did not find them, they dragged Jason. Jason's like, man, it's not even the right people. Dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city officials, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here to. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here to. Now you know why it's my favorite 
chapter, man, this is so good. These men have turned the world upside down and come here too. And Jason has received them as guests. How dare he? They are all acting contrary to Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, Jesus. The Jews stirred up the crowd and the city officials who heard these things. So taking a security bond from Jason and the others, meaning made, made him pay bail, they released them. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here too, and Jason has received them as guests. They are all acting contrary to Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. Isn't that a great couple verses? Now, these guys didn't plan it that way. They aren't planning on this, us reading it a, few thousand, a couple thousand years later is going, man, that's sick. That's, oh, that is a good verse. They're, they're trying to use this as a way to get these guys in trouble. They're trying to use this as a way to, to make them look bad, to defame them, to, to make fun of them, to criticize them. They're trying to use this as a way to make them look terrible. But what they're really doing, in my opinion, is making this thing sound awesome. Turn the world upside down. Now, I don't know. Does anybody know the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme song? Kim, you raise your hand. Get up here. Come on, Kim. Hurry up. You forgot the first part. There's an important part because when I hear this word upside down, I think of something that's said at the very beginning. Do you remember the very beginning? No, see, that's the, the, no, this is, that's what the part I always do in West Philadelphia, but it starts, T, you got it? Justin, come here. Come here. Anybody got it? Come on now. Come on. Huh? Nah. That turned upside down. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. I, I, we haven't even met. No. Come here. All right. There you go, Kevin. Thank you. This is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. Hey, I put, there we go. So here's the deal. So I appreciate you guys working with me on this one. Stop singing. Stop it. Stop it. Just a little secret. Every time I go preach somewhere, I introduce myself that way. I go, yeah, I know, seriously, I go, I'm, I'm Dallas, born and raised. The playground is where I spend most of my days. Uh, chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool. A couple of guys, no good. Start making trouble in my neighborhood. And then people start getting into it. It's a blast. Anyways, um. I'm pretty sure I'm the only one who's ever introduced himself that way, and I'm pretty proud of it. But, except for Will Smith. Um, but he wasn't preaching. So here's the deal. This idea that this upside down. Has anyone had their world turned upside down? Has anyone ever been to Fresh Prince? Has anyone had a, a Bel Air moment where, where you thought things were just fine the way they were, and then things just get kind of flipped, turned upside down? You know what I'm talking about. Anybody, some of you guys, like, immediately were going, yes. Yes, right now, actually. Like, I don't, why are you free, singing the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air in church? This is, my world is ruined. I, I don't even know, I'm sure I love Jesus anymore. And, um, and, and sometimes we have these kind of moments. I remember when I, and I may have told this story before, but it's one of my favorite stories. Not because of what I did, because I'm a little bit not proud of what I did. Uh, but I used to work at Dairy Queen, right? The Texas, Texas stop sign. And, um, 
and I, I worked at Dairy Queen, and one day we had this manager, and I don't even remember the guy, but we had this manager uh, who came in after this other manager. She was great. She was awesome. She, she was a great manager. But we had this other manager who came in, and within like two weeks, he got fired. We found out that because he had come in and stolen, you know how you, the fridge in the, the lobby of uh, Dairy Queen, there's like a, if it's called a lobby, uh, and, uh, and, they, and there's like cookie cakes in there. He had, like, come in with his buddies at, like, 2 a.m. and t- took all the cookie cakes. And um, that's a true story. So he was out. I-, I don't know if he thought that was okay. Like, I'm a manager, yo. And, um, and so he took all the cookie cakes. So then they fired him, but they didn't have anyone to replace him. So they took this guy who was, like, and I don't, he's a nice guy. Completely not qualified to be, like, managed. Not okay. This is a bad move. This is a terrible thing. Now, they ended up selling the thing off, so maybe they were just kind of ready for it to be done. But they gave this guy who was, I'm telling you right now, I didn't even know how he worked the register. He's managing the place. And so on a Sunday afternoon, how many of you know when Dairy Queen is the busiest? It's Sunday afternoon because us church folk have to get our ice cream, right? We go to our lunch all dressed up and nice, and we keep it, we keep it together there. But then we get in the car, we unbutton our pants, and we go, we got to go get some ice cream. And so they go. So all these people come to Dairy Queen on a Sunday afternoon, and guess what? We run out of ice cream. Right? It's terrible. My, my world got flipped, turned upside down. And we, we just like, I, me and the other guy, and the manager's there. He's not a manager. He's just the guy. They just put him there and gave him a title. I don't know why they didn't give it to me. Um, and and, and, and uh, probably because of what I did next. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We are out of ice cream, and every person who comes through the drive-thru is asking for ice cream. We're finally just like, this ain't going to work. So we write on a cardboard piece of box that says, we are out of ice cream. Uh, we are closed. And we put it on the door, and we walk out, me and this dude. The, the, the manager's still there. I think he was okay. I don't know. I've seen him once since then. Uh, we didn't really talk. But um, now I was a young kid, man. I was like, I, you know, I, I, I'm sure I was like eight, right? I made poor decisions. But, no, I think I was like 16 or something. And I, was, I just decided. But sometimes we get in a place where, where things just get flipped, turned upside down. It, it's supposed to work this way, and it's not. It's working this way. And I'm not okay with it. And it's not working. I'm I'm ticked off. I'm used to this, and I'm not getting this, and I really want this, and I don't want to deal with this, but I'm getting this, and I'm getting frustrated, and life just seems to be flipped on its head. And sometimes it works the opposite way. Sometimes we're in a job or we're in a situation for a long time, and it's not good, and then all of a sudden someone comes into that situation, and somehow, some way, it actually turns that thing right side up. Anybody ever had that kind of deal? boss comes in and actually begins to put some things in place or you have someone who comes into your world and and they're the love of your life and all of a sudden things work or sometimes we have these moments where things get flipped turned upside down and we have these fresh prince moments and that's kind of the moment we're walking into in Acts chapter 17 the the church has started people have been gathering the holy spirit's working and the, the disciples are taking the message to all these different places through the power of the Holy Spirit, and they're speaking these things, and they're intentionally showing up in the synagogues, and they're intentionally showing up. Later on in Acts 17, you see Paul going into the marketplace and talking with people there. And, and so you see these guys, they're just going, and they're just making it happen, and they're bringing people to this place. And all of a sudden, these men who get really upset that their message is working better than their message, that, that Paul's message is working better than their message. So they get jealous, they get upset, so they get some scoundrels, they make a mob, and they go riot. Sounds like we should do that. Sounds fun. Like, let's get some scoundrels. I don't know where you find scoundrels. Let's get some. I think we got a few on the front row. So we'll get some scoundrels, and, and we'll, we'll just make a mob, and then we'll go riot. It's a three-step process. Sounds easy enough. And, 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 and they, they do this, and then they go, and they grab Jason, and they bring him between, in front of the court, and they say, they bring him into the public assembly, and they say, 
These men have shown up in our city, these men who have turned the world upside down. These men who have turned the world upside down. Now, I looked up what are some of the other ways that you could say turn the world upside down. And, and maybe your translation said it something like this. It says, upset the world, caused trouble all over the world, stirred up trouble, set the city in an uproar. Anybody got any of those? Upset the world, caused trouble. Have you ever had that person who comes to you and says this phrase? Well, I talked to everyone. And they all said that we need to change, that we need to do. If anyone starts with that phrase, well, everyone said, I immediately go, I'm not listening to you. Because you're already lying to me. Because it is not possible for you to have talked to everyone and for everyone to have been honest with you like you think they are because you let in with, don't you think this is terrible? Right? Don't you think this is bad? This is bad. This is bad, right? You wouldn't disagree with me right now. Like, we're friends. you got to have my back. Is this bad? I knew it. Brandon, everyone says. Right? Unsolicited. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We all do that. We all walk in and we go, everyone, all the time, everywhere. Right? We love these big absolute phrases. And here are, the, here are these guys who grab Jason. It's not even Jason who did it. What's Jason? It's not Jason's fault. But you bring Jason in front of the court, and, and they say this phrase, the whole world. I mean, just think about this. They have upset the entire world. We talked to everybody, took a survey. It's accurate, plus or minus 3%. Right? Y'all know that lingo right now. We're six weeks from an election. You know that. Plus or minus three. We're, it was, you know, they're basically tied. And, uh, and so we, we know this kind of, everyone says, who's everyone? Well, I talked to John, and I talked to Susie. Are you really going to list off everyone? Because I know you don't got everyone there. Well, John and Susie, but they know everything. And they've talked to a bunch of people. And they said that this person, I don't care what you, but here's the thing. And these guys are trying to make this some kind of like, make them look bad. I actually think when Paul hears about this, because they don't find Paul, Paul actually moves on to the next city and begins to preach. Paul's smart. He's done this before. And, um, and, and, and these guys say this. I have this thing that I, I feel like when Paul hears this story told back to him, that these guys said, man, these men have upset the entire world. Paul's going, nice. Right? Like Paul's going, this is, that's awesome. That's what, we're, that's what we set out to do. See, that's the thing about this message, this gospel, is whether or not they meant to, whether it was accidental, whether they were intentionally saying this, they actually just said exactly what Jesus said this message would do. They, Jesus said this would go to everyone everywhere. He said to go into all the world, preaching about me, telling people about me, baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go into all the world and upset the whole world order. Do not let this world stay the way it is. I need you to actually flip it on its head because people have gotten it backwards. People think that this is how you live, top down. But they have to understand that I say that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. That there's this upside down kingdom that to live you must 
die, that, that there's this idea that you have to go top down. But no, that's not what, that's not what the kingdom of Jesus is about. The kingdom of God is about a, a bottom up. It's about willingness to serve so that I can be then lifted up because I've humbled myself. This upside down kingdom. And, and he, they're messing it up because the, the, the leaders of that day, especially the religious leaders of that day, had this system. They were fine with the way things were because they had all the power. They told you whether you're a sinner, whether you've done this wrong, when you did it, how much you had to pay to make sure it's okay, how, how much of a sacrifice, you got to come to the synagogue this many times. I mean, they, had, they, they had a monopoly on this thing. They had, they had begun to work it into an unhealthy place where now it was about power rather than about grace. Now it was about owning something and having this right to say, I am this, rather than being bought at a price by Jesus Christ. And so Jesus actually says this in his Bible. He actually says this in the Gospels that, look, the kingdom of God has arrived. I'm here. The kingdom of God is here with me. And that's why this is so important. That's why this message is so important. And, and today we're, we're going to talk about the kingdom and what it is and why it matters. But Jesus talked about the kingdom all the time. Seventy-something times in the New Testament. Matthew talks about it and says it's the kingdom of heaven. The other gospels talk about it as the kingdom of God. Some would say those are fairly different. But for the most part, they're pretty much the same. And, and, and Jesus talked about the kingdom. I mean, in, in fact, and we just talked about this. He added it to the, the model prayer. The model prayer for you and I talks about, Lord, let the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Now, here's the thing, and here's why we're talking about this verse today and why we're talking about Jesus today. Why we're because a kingdom requires a king, right? A kingdom requires a king. No king, no kingdom. The kingdom doesn't just happen. A kingdom comes because there was one who came and began to establish a kingdom, and we're kind of in this in-between. It's an interesting deal, and we'll talk more about this over the next several weeks. I think the kingdom of God could be one of the more misunderstood things in the Bible, but it's also one of these things that once you begin to realize what we're talking about, what we're really getting into, it's not this uh, domineering thing. It's not this will willingness, we're going to take ground, and we're going to beat people, we're going to knock people out of this place, and they're not. No, it's this willingness to subversively come in and be people who serve and give and watch as the kingdom is born inside out. And so Jesus is this king. And he declares himself as the way, the truth, and the life. And so the kingdom comes, and these guys are upsetting the world, right? And they say it because the driving force, what do they say? They say that because they are declaring one person as the king, someone other than Caesar. They're saying this kingdom that Caesar set up is not the kingdom anymore. This is not the true king anymore. To say that Jesus was king was to say that someone else was not. You don't have two kings, you got one. And see, the reality is, is that we all serve a king, right? We all have a king that we serve. But we have to choose what kingdom do we want to live in, and if we want to live in that kingdom, we then have to submit to that king. That a kingdom requires a king. And so in verse, uh, verse uh, 8, Verse 7, sorry, and Jason has received them as guests. They are all saying, acting contrary to Caesar's decree, saying that there is another king. There is another king. And I th that's what I really, I think, our heart as we talk about this kingdom series, is that we would begin to be people who declare for the world that there is another king. There is another king. There is another way to do this life. 
there is another kingdom which you can live in. There is another grace that you can have. There is a, a different way that you can order your world. There is a different pattern according to which you can do the things you do. There is something else to live with. There is a, another king. Because every kingdom has a, a, a pattern, and every kingdom, which is the values it holds, every kingdom has a power, okay, and every kingdom has a product. There is a result of that kingdom. If you're in that kingdom, that kingdom will result in something in your world. And so we're going to talk about that, but it starts with the willingness to accept that Jesus is the king. Now, now I don't know if you notice what they said here, but it's actually really, really important. And Jason, acting contrary to Caesar's decrees. So I think that's the part that gets us in the toughest spot. Because the kingdom of God is contrary to the kingdom of this world. Colossians speaks about this idea that, that God has transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son. That we now have been relocated, reestablished in the kingdom of his son. Which means there are different things that now happen in our world. And so for us, this word contrary, how do we approach the things that hit us the hardest? How do we approach the good news? How do we approach our daily life? How do we approach going to work? How do we approach handling our marriage? How do we approach the thoughts we think? How do we approach those things? Because based on what the Bible talks about, they should be contrary to what culture or this kingdom would try to tell us. Are you with me? I'm not saying they should be uh, wrong or, or, or somehow uh, uh, just there to be, con- you know those people who are just contrary to be contrary, right? They're just, they're just trying to be different because they want to be different. That's what my son says. When I say yes, he says no. That's just the way it goes, right? Like he just wants to say, he doesn't really care. He, and he'll say no and then he'll go do it. Like wh- you're messing with my head, kid. Like I don't know if you respect me or not. I don't know. And, um, but the, but this, so it's not just this, I, I'm, not, I'm not just being contrary to be contrary. I, I'm realizing there's a different way of living my life. There's a different place to find peace. There's a different place to find joy. There's a different place to find grace. Why is the king so important? Because the characteristics of the kingdom emanate from the character of the king. Meaning the issues of the kingdom flow from the throne of the king. And so when we find ourselves in this place, we're frustrated, we're ticked off, we find ourselves, we're just mad about the way things are going, we may have then found ourselves in a place where we are living in the wrong kingdom based upon the wrong king, right? And so we're finding ourselves reacting to things in a way that we should not or do not want to be reacting. See, because if we, if we, if we have a temporary king, we will have a temporary kingdom. So if money is our king and we lose money, our kingdom falls apart. If success is our king and our success goes away, our kingdom falls apart. If, 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 if going out on a Friday night and hooking up is our king, then then we, when that doesn't happen, we, we, our kingdom falls apart. When, when, when the things we put up top, really when those things, when that person, when that king is not reigning anymore, then our kingdom falls apart and we wonder why we're frustrated. And here's why we have to worship a God who is eternal. Because there is nothing that will ever change. My kingdom, his kingdom, the kingdom I live in, will always be there. It's an eternal kingdom. And so why do we find a culture that seems to be kind of doing one of these things all the time? It's up and down and up and down because they have set themselves as king or they have set something as king that is temporary. 
It does not have lasting value. It will not always be. The dollar you have will not always be worth the dollar you want it to be worth. The, the job you have will not always be there. The way your marriage is now may not always be the way your marriage is in five years, and you got to work on some things. But if I can put the right king in the right place, and then I can live in that kingdom, then when my marriage gets tough, or when jobs go weird, or the money doesn't work, or whatever happens, or friends get frustrating, or, or whatever, my world gets flipped, turned upside down, actually, I stay right side up. All of a sudden, I can stay standing. Why? Because my king, he's not gone. He hadn't left. My kingdom is inside out. The kingdom I live in starts here. It doesn't start out there. That doesn't determine who I am or where I'm going or who I'm going to be. What determines that is the king that reigns in my heart. There is this idea and understanding that the kingdom of God isn't just talking about the realm that it owns, but also the heart it sits upon. That the ultimate word here is, is this word that speaks to the idea that it is about the believers who have put the king above all kings where he belongs. And so we can get into the kingdom over the next several weeks, but if we don't get the king right, we won't see the benefits of the kingdom. We won't see the blessing of the kingdom. We won't see the fruit of the kingdom. We won't see the product or the result of the kingdom. If we don't have the power in place and the pattern we live, then we won't see what we desire to see. We're going to talk about the kingdom. We are. But at the end of the day, we have to be like these people who are living a contrary life, who are not living a life based upon the outward circumstances they find themselves in, but they are living according to the king who still reigns and sits on the throne. That's what Proverbs talks about. Proverbs talks about when the good rule, when the good are in authority, when the godly are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked are in power, they groan. As the king goes, so goes the kingdom. And that's why I love serving a God who always goes. He's not leaving me. He's not forsaking me. He hasn't given up on me. He's, Jesus tells his disciples, hey, I've overcome the world. Take heart. Take courage. I've overcome the world. You live in it. And that's the, that's the place we find ourselves in. The kingdom that is and the kingdom that will be. And it's, it's this, this soon coming king, but also this fact that, that the king has also been here. And he's already established something. The, 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 the gospel talks about this, this kingdom that was established through Jesus in his life and ministry, death and resurrection. But also this kingdom that is given, like given to Peter, the keys to the kingdom, are given to you so that then you can begin to move into the earth and establish this kingdom because you are then surrendered to the king. There's three things the king does for us. There's three things the king does for us. He guides, guards, and governs. He guides, guards, and governs. Let me, let me give you three words that maybe make that more, make more sense there. If you're trying to wonder what, what, is, what does guide mean, he directs. He directs us. He directs, directs our path. He directs our steps. He leads us and guides us. He guards us. He protects us. The king's role is to protect He's not meant to leave his people and, and just let them. That's why in, in, in the movies, uh, you, you see the king always going out with the army. Why? Because he, his first call is to, is to protect. God's protecting you. And governs means to correct, to adjust, 
to, to, to be willing to go, hey, you're, you're getting it wrong here. This is not the way I designed you. This is not the way I made you. This is not the right way to do things. This, this is sin. This is, this is not smart. This is just unwise. This is, lacks vision. This is, this is, there's no faith here. Hey, I'm going to correct. Let's, let's get back into this place where you can begin to walk according to what I, I want for you because I have this kingdom for you to, to live in and for, for you to expand on and for you to grow and multiply, but, but you, you got to be willing to surrender to my guidance, and you got to be willing to surrender to my guarding you, and you have to be willing to surrender to my governance. Th- these three things are part of what I do in your life, and they're important because I have a, a hope and a future for you. I have a, a desire for you. I, I, I want you to live in this upside-down world, which actually, when you begin to look at it, turns itself right-side up when you begin to realize that the world is already upside-down. When you begin to begin to look at what these guys are yelling about, and when you begin to look at our world and you begin to look at our culture, would any of you go, yep, world's right side up. Everything's good. Life's good. Everything's great. Oh, this is all working out. We got the two best people on the planet gonna run our country. This is fantastic. This is awesome. Like the world is right side up, it's perfect. No, I would think that most people, even those who do not believe in Jesus, who do not believe in God, would say that this world isn't quite where it should be. So if, if the kingdom then is turning my world upside down, then what he's actually doing is turning my world right side up. Opposite of what the world is doing. Hello. And so you're actually turning my world back to where it should be, where the king reigns and the people rejoice that's the kingdom i live in it's upside down but actually it's right side up i look good upside down it's the way i'm built it's what i'm made for it's who i am it's upside down kingdom matters because it's where god's called you to live it matters because it's what god's designed you for it matters because it's the whole reason he created this earth It matters because this is the whole reason Jesus came and died and rose again. It matters because it's there where you find peace and hope and faith and life and overflowing. It matters. Kingdom requires a king. Kingdom requires a king. So for us as people, we love the father part and we love the friend part and we love the savior word and we love the Messiah thing and we love and those are all important because Jesus declares those over our life but understand also that he is our king he is our true and right king he is the one who guides us he is the one who guards us he's the one who governs us he is the one who is meant to lead us and be out in front and the sooner we submit to that and surrender to that the sooner we begin to experience the benefits of and the fruit of and the product of and the pattern by which this kingdom actually operates. We place him where he belongs. Amen. So maybe this journey for you over the next several weeks is not a journey of understanding the kingdom. It's a journey of beginning to realize how you can live in that kingdom. One that is not external, but one that is internal, which means it can never and will never leave you no matter what is going on externally. Amen? Would you stand with me? We're going to close this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, I know there are
parts of this that I didn't deliver the right way. There are things I probably didn't say that I should have said or shouldn't have said. Or God, this isn't about how I do it. This is about what you do while I'm talking, while we read your word. And so I just, I pray right now that the things you want us to hear, we've heard. The Holy Spirit, the things you've been trying to speak, we'll listen to. God, that we would put the rightful king in his place so that we can live in this kingdom. We give our lives to you. We give our lives to your guidance and your guarding and your governance. We give our lives to your direction and your protection and your correction. And we know that your desire for us is to live out this good work that you've planned for us. We know your desire for us is to to live according to your word and your purpose. So not only can we bring glory to you, but so that we can live fulfilled. So we can live on purpose. So God, I pray right now, today, while this kingdom idea may seem a bit abstract because we, we don't live that way anymore. We don't, we don't have that kind of system, at least not in this country. We, 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 we've, been, we've done away with that. We've never had that, in fact. We, this is, we're independent. We, we do our own thing. We, we kind of make our own way. And, and there's part of that that you built into us. That's not outside of your realm. That's not outside of what you called us to be. But you absolutely, without question, have said the best way this works, the way that this will actually pay off and have the fruit that you want it to have, have the result and the product that you want it to have, is to put me where I belong, and that is as the king of our hearts, the king above all kings, the name above all names. Because, God, I do not want to serve a king that is temporary, a king that can be pushed around, a king that will be pushed around by the wind and waves, a king that that could not walk on water and calm the seas. I, I don't want to serve a king who couldn't do that. I don't want to serve a king who couldn't defeat death. I don't want to serve a king who's subject to whatever is going on around him. Lord, I want to serve a king who has walked on water and calmed the seas. I want to serve a king who died and rose again and defeated death. I want to serve a king who came from heaven and went back. I want to serve a king who said, I'll send you my Holy Spirit. I want to serve a king who has a vision and a hope for my future. God, I want to serve a king who's with me in all things and for all things. I want to serve a king who will never leave me, who will never forsake me. God, I want to serve a king that when he reigns, we rejoice. So God, I pray right now that we would put you as king. Jesus, we pray that you would be king of our life, king of our heart, king of our spirit, king of every step and every word. God, let us wake up every day going, God, speak to our hearts. Speak to me. Let me hear your voice. Let me know your word. I want to follow you. I want to do what you do. I want to, act, I want to see what you see. I want to go where you go. I put you as king. If that's you this morning, and you say, I want to put Jesus as king in my life. I mean, he's been my savior. He came and he died and rose again. I believed in that, so he saved me from my sin, and he did those things. But maybe I haven't quite lived with him as king. Not an oppressive king, not a a bad king, but a king who has the best intentions for me. A king who desires the best things for me. Who created me so he knows me. And and I've I've just not lived in the kingdom because I haven't been willing to surrender to the king. Submit to the king. And today, even if I'm a believer, even if I've been someone who's 
for a long time has said, yeah, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Savior. Today, I want to say, Jesus, you are King. I want to to give my life to you fully, completely, so that I not only know who the King is, but I actually live in the kingdom. So I live in the kingdom. If that's you today, and you'd say, "I, I, I want to be someone who turns the world upside down. I want to be someone who it can be said of that I live contrary to what this culture thinks I should live. I want to be someone who actually sees the world turned upside down because I simply do one thing, proclaim another king, Jesus. Because I simply speak the name of another king, Jesus. And because of that, my life is different. Because of that, my marriage is different. Because of that, my family is different. Because of that, I look differently at my job and my career. Because of that, money does not rule. Because of that, things do not shake me the way they used to shake me. Because of that, I'm standing firmly planted, building a house on the rock of Christ Jesus. Because no wind, no waves, no tide, nothing can knock me out of this. I am established in the kingdom of God's Son, Jesus Christ. I have a right king, a good king, a true king, an eternal king who will never leave me. I want to live there, God. I want to submit to that king so that I can see his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. If that's you today, just lift your hands up. Say, I want to submit to that king. I want to give my life to that king. Man, all over this place. I want to give my life to that king. So good. So good. Come on, let's all lift our hands. Thank you guys who lifted your hands. So good. Lord, we right now, we submit our lives to you. Lord, we right now give all of ourselves to you. God, for those of you who just had our toe, uh, we just had our toe in the water. We just kind of, man, we love you, Jesus. You've been great. God, we're gonna we're gonna step all in. We're gonna live in your kingdom. We're living a kingdom that is full of powerful prayer. We're gonna live in a kingdom that has nothing but big vision. Lord, we're going to live in a kingdom that serves people. We're going to live in a kingdom that loves people regardless of where they've come from. We're going to live in a kingdom that's grace covers a multitude of sins. Lord, we're going to live in a kingdom where faith rises up on the inside. We're going to live in a kingdom that has hope and hope and hope and hope and hope. We're going to live in a kingdom where the joy of the Lord is our strength. We're going to live in a kingdom that peace surpasses understanding. God, we're going to live in a kingdom that has a king who never leaves, who never forsakes, who never walks away. We're going to live in a kingdom that has vision and has a desire to live in this world upside down, declaring that there is another king. There is another king, and his name is Jesus. And there is nothing this world can do because he has overcome the world. So I will not be shaken. I will not be stirred. God, I will not be moved because your voice is speaking on the inside of me. The voice of my king and my God and the one and only. I'm serving that king because I'm going to see the results of that king in my life. God, we love you. We worship you. God, we put you where you belong as the king of our hearts. God, turn this world upside down. God, some of us have had this small view of the city turned upside down and the neighborhood turned upside down. God, turn the world upside down. We'll take our street. You hit the world. And we'll take the next street. We'll take the next cubicle. We'll take the next grocery store. And we'll we'll just love people everywhere and anywhere we go. God, this is one true king. And we worship you. Put you where you belong. Come on, let's sing.